When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. More the nothing personal word of the day for Tuesday, May 9th, 2023 is more. Welcome to Nothing Personal. We are live on YouTube every day, Monday to Friday, 8 a.m. More. Julius Randall. I am so worked up about the New York Knicks right now, and I'm worked up because I'm angry. I'm angry with myself. I'm angry that I had a chance to recapture my fandom, and I allowed myself to become emotionally invested in a team which has not happened to me in 25 years. I love the Knicks. They were my life. I would warm up. I would stretch before games. My social calendar was based on, are the Knicks playing? If so, I'm not going out. I'm going to games. I'm watching every road game. They were everything. The Ewing years, starting in 1975, all the way to 99. And then I got into baseball. And slowly, the fan in me got sucked out. All the way out. Every ounce drained went to basketball games and football games during my baseball career. And I went there staring at the stadium and looking at the concession lines and wondering how long it took people to park. What a loser I was. The emotionality of a fan. There's nothing like it. You're up, you're down. You live and die with every shot. Gone. So now I've been out, been out of the sport for five years. Still couldn't find my fandom. All season long, don't care about the Knicks. I loved them. The kind of love that's supposed to last forever but doesn't, like when you go through a horrible divorce with your team because you figured when you started that it would last forever and then boom, something happens and you grow apart. I grew apart. Then the Knicks beat Cleveland and they're playing the heat and I was reminded how much I can't stand the heat. Back from competing with them for 15 years with the Marlins and then sitting around the Levitard universe and watching all of them be so cocky about the heat. The heat are playing the Knicks. It's you and me against the world. I'm ready, I'm excited. The series starts and all of a sudden I feel it. I'm interested again. I am planning my days to make sure I'm watching the games start to finish every minute. What's the series schedule? What's the referee rotation? Who's got what games? And then I watched a game last night and I have such regret and such anger that they allowed me and I allowed myself to feel again. It's way easier not to feel because I don't want to feel the way I feel this morning, which is looking at Julius Randle, watching him on the podium post game and him saying, maybe they want it more. Game over, mic drop, walk off. 
maybe they want it more. You are the de facto captain along with Jalen Brunson of that team. You're in the first year of a $117 million deal. You're paid almost 30 million bucks a year. There's one thing I don't want you to do. So I put my president hat on and I put my fan hat on. So I'm looking at this from two sides. Let's start with the fan side because I was this close to being a fan again. The fan side looks at that and says, I'm not gonna invest my emotions or my time. I don't wanna believe that I want it more than they do. I don't wanna believe that they don't care, that they can go through a game like that, not hustle, not get rebounds, get embarrassed in the fourth quarter, be down 3-1 to a team. I don't wanna believe that. You need a road win, you're a good road team, and now you're stuck having to win three in a row against the Heat and NGTH, it's not gonna happen. From a president standpoint, if I see one of my players on the podium saying, maybe they want it more, I'm deciding right then and there, am I firing the coach? Am I going to talk to Randall and saying, we need you to lead not in the podium, we need you to lead in the clubhouse. If you see that you're getting out hustled, why not pull a PJ Tucker? Why not start yelling at your own teammates the way he yelled at Joel Embiid to try to get him going? Why not pull players aside and say, hey, how is this happening? Instead of just loafing around the court and then staying there and shooting threes or driving and then hitting the defense and not moving the ball around and then missing shots. It's one of the things that you don't want your player to say when you are in PR, when you are in the executive suite because you've got people spending their money, fans, you've got corporations spending their money, sponsors, and they want to be associated with the brand, forget the fact that they're associated with Dolan, they wanna be associated with the brand and with the group of players who actually give a tinker's damn. It can never happen that you get outworked or that you are in a position where it's so obvious that the other team is out hustling you and therefore you conclude, I guess they want it more. More than what? The Heat have multiple championships since the Knicks' last championship. The Knicks are starving for a championship. Haven't had one in 50 years. Do you know what yesterday was? Ironically, the 53rd anniversary of Willis Reed coming through the tunnel and the Knicks beating the Lakers in game seven to win the championship at the end of the 69-70 season. They won another title three years later and then Bupkis, Nothing, two finals, appear two finals appearances, fine, but nothing. I'm walking around thinking to myself, I am not going to be a fan. I poked my head above water like a turtle and I'm right back under the shell. That was a mixed metaphor. I did that Simpson gif when you come out of the hedges and then go back into the hedges. That's gonna be me. I'm not gonna open myself up to how I feel last night after the game or how I woke up feeling. I'm not doing it. You blew it for me, New York. I had a moment where there was a chance I could get back to being a normal crazy fan and now I'm back to being a former executive examining and wondering how in the hell these things happen. And of course, the first thing that came to my mind is, let's take a look at these contracts. 
Let's take a look at these players in the NBA because of the salary cap and the salary floor where they're basically handing out max extensions. They're handing out multiple 10 to $20 million deals to players who stink and then don't care. Of course, I had to sit there and watch the second game of the night, but I had to do it under the theory of work because I was not going to do it. Hey, let's scout Nick's opponents for a possible finals. I used to do that. I'm looking at Jordan Poole do a donut, thinking to myself, this guy, this guy here is about to make 30 million bucks a year. He's this close. And the guy is playing 10 minutes and not scoring. <laughs> that guy got pretty cocky when he was hitting shots, didn't he? Now that he's not, he's not even playing. That wasn't even the biggest problem for the Warriors. Take a look at what Curry and Thompson did. You can say Curry had a triple-double, but look at the way Curry shot. It's like it doesn't matter anymore in the NBA. You can literally be a bricklayer and everyone's applauding for three, bang! Three in the corner, got it! How about the clanks? My level of frustration right now is high, I admit it. I'm emotional, I'm angry. I really wanted the Knicks to win. I needed the Knicks to win, not because of a pick of the day, which I lost, no. That pissed me off. But the reason I needed them to win is I needed to get justification for what was happening inside me. Tell me that I'm making the right decision by becoming a fan again. I don't wanna be the guy who's celebrating them beating the Cavaliers all up and now I'm way down. I don't wanna live through that up and down if the players don't care. And I know as president that I always cared more than the players. That's not a surprise, I've told you that before. You'd be shocked to know the number of players who don't care. You'd be shocked to know. I was shocked to hear him actually say it. Like that's gonna motivate the Knicks. I wonder if I would go fire Tibbs right then and there. Right during a playoff series, why wait? Maybe it's the excitement of winning the first round or the fact that you're still in, in it at 3-1, you got a 5% chance to win three in a row. Hey, we gotta keep it. Tibbs is our guy. All of that said, whatever Randall did or Jordan Poole did after their loss, none of it is even close to making my top five. I came up with the top five with Coca before the show because we wanted, as we head into these next two stories, to start with a top five list of things you cannot say when you've got a microphone. When you're a podcaster, when you've got a show live on YouTube, when you are a player at a podium, when you are a broadcaster broadcasting a game, when you are a coach giving an interview, doesn't matter when you've got a microphone just like this. I can't say thank you to Metal Arc because I bought this one. I can't even say thank you to CBS. Top five microphone no-nos. Ready? Number five. You cannot get on the microphone post-game, pre-game, or during the game and say anything about your coach. Giannis came close when asked about why he wasn't guarding Jimmy Butler, but he said, hey, that's my coach. 
I will do whatever my coach says. Behind the scenes, fire his ass. In front of the camera, he's my coach. That's not a violation. Number five is you don't say anything against your own coach and your own coach's strategy. That's a no-no. But you don't get canceled for that. You may get traded for that. You may get a coach fired for that. So it's a no-no, but it's not a permanent no-no. Number four, don't say anything about your owner. You don't get up there and talk. You can be Chris Bassett and talk about teams not spending money. You can stand up like Matt Stram and talk about the fact that you shouldn't be selling beer in the eighth inning. I'm good, although I wouldn't be good if those were my players, but those don't make the list of top five no-nos, but you do not get up there and say, God, my owner is a cheap bastard. We could have had five more players. We should have traded for this guy at the deadline. We should have done this. We should have higher salaries. No, 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 but you're not canceled yet. Number three, no, no, derogatory language toward anybody. Derogatory language does not rise to the level that we're gonna get to in the top two, but derogatory language about a woman, derogatory language about a teammate, derogatory language about a family member or about an executive or about someone in the league. You do not use derogatory language. That's number three. Now we're getting to the borderline of, hey, not only am I gonna need a statement, but I'm likely gonna need to update the resume. Number two, of the top five microphone no-nos, a homophobic slur. That is the number two no-no. Just ask Coach Bob Huggins, Hall of Fame coach Bob Huggins. Bob Huggins gets on a radio show yesterday, starts getting into a conversation, and somehow decides that he is going to refer to people at Xavier as Catholic blanks, and it was a homophobic slur. It went viral. I immediately checked for the blue check. No, that doesn't help anymore. I immediately called Coca and said, is this real? Coca did his checking and said, it's real. I then got on Twitter immediately and said, Bob Huggins is going to release a statement and Bob Huggins is going to lose his job. Coca pointed out to me that I should make sure I give this thought because he is the guy at West Virginia. He's been there since 2007, the second winningest coach in history uh, at West Virginia, and he is a celebrity, a superstar, an institution. We're talking about a guy who has the fourth most wins of anyone in men's college basketball, anyone. And guess what? It doesn't matter. Because when you violate the number two thing that you shouldn't do, you need to lose your job. Bob Huggins realized that he created a problem and only after it went viral and people were saying, you've got a problem, did he immediately call his lawyer and they made a statement. Bob Huggins' statement was quite interesting to me. He signed it with his autograph. That's very sweet of him. I'm not sure that that is how I would do it. 
Earlier today on a Cincinnati radio program, I was asked about the rivalry between my former employer, the University of Cincinnati, and its crosstown rival, Xavier University. During the conversation, I used a completely insensitive and abhorrent phrase that there is simply no excuse for. I like it, abhorrent. I will not try to make one here. He's talking about an excuse. So he's acknowledging what he did, not excusing it. But then he gets into the apology. I deeply apologize. How many times do I have to tell people, stop with the adjectives prior to the apology? I am truly sorry. I am exceptionally sorry. I'm extremely sorry. I'm deeply sorry. To be honest with you, I'm deeply sorry. I deeply apologize to the individuals I have offended as well as the Xavier University community, the University of Cincinnati and West Virginia University. As I've shared with my players over my 40 years of coaching, there are consequences for our words and actions and I will fully accept any coming my way. I'm ashamed and embarrassed and heartbroken for those I have hurt. I must do better and I will. And then his autograph. Guess what, Coach Huggins? NGE, not good enough. It's a decent try, but it is not good enough. And the reason it's not good enough is that it's not that he misspoke. It's not that he mispronounced. This was a Tom Brenneman type situation. Tom Brenneman, remember what he did when he referred to, used a, a, a homophobic slur. And then during his apology, he called the home run to by Castellanos that's become one of the most famous home run calls of all time. This same Tom Brenneman, who was actually asked by Huggins to come visit and speak with the West Virginia team a couple of years ago. You would think that Huggins would know better unless of course he doesn't know better because unless he actually feels the way he said. How many times do people, when they're not repeating a lyric or when they're not repeating a sentence, but when they say something and they say, hey, I was on Ambien. Hey, it was a slip of the tongue. I've been on Ambien before. There's certain words that I simply would not say. Not because they're in my top five list of microphone no-nos, because they're not in my vocabulary. I don't have to worry about using homophobic slurs because I don't use homophobic slurs. I don't have to worry about saying racial slurs because I don't say racial slurs. You wanna know the best way to avoid the top five microphone no-nos? Don't use them when you don't have a microphone. Do I think that that's the first time that Bob Huggins has referred to someone in that way, using that homophobic slur? If you believe that, I've got a few things I'd like to sell you like maybe economic development around a new ballpark. That's number two on my list of microphone no-nos. And here is number one, a racial slur. If you use a racial slur on a microphone, there is no level of apology you can make because that's how inexcusable it is. And you will lose your job immediately as you should. What about the nuance? We have a situation that happened a couple of days ago in Oakland with a correspondent 
named Glenn Kuyper, the brother of Dwayne Kuyper, who is a broadcaster for the Giants. Glenn Kuyper has been with the Oakland A's for quite a while. He was been their primary announcer ever since I got into baseball, maybe since 06, but he was around in 04. Just always been a guy associated with the A's. They were playing in Kansas City. When I go see the Royals, there is a stop that you always want to make because it's incredibly powerful and important to make. And that is the Kansas City Negro League Museum. There is so much history in baseball, so much a part of our sport that I wanted to learn to understand what my role was and how I am simply a moment in time of something so much bigger and more important than I am. It's so important I'm not a history buff. I'm not a history major. I am a believer in if you don't learn about history, you're condemned to repeat it. Obviously, I'm sensitive about certain things in World War II that hit close to home that still exist. But having been in baseball, knowing the way integration worked, knowing what players faced, what black players faced specifically, talking to you about documentaries, learning about Jackie Robinson, speaking to his family, There are certain words that you can't say, except it shouldn't come to that because they shouldn't ever be on the tip of your tongue. But what happens if there is some sort of, with a microphone, a mistake that you make where it comes out wrong. And I'm not talking about the Ben Mintz barstool situation where he was reading a lyric and knowingly read a lyric that included the racial slur that caused Dave Portnoy to defend him, but Penn Gaming, who owns Barstool, to fire him because they were worried about money, they were worried about their gambling license, and so they fired him. When you are responsible and you have a microphone, you know that there are certain things you don't repeat even if they're right in front of you. Even if you are quoting a quote, you're quoting someone else, you do not give those particular words oxygen. You don't need to be a member of Mensa to know what is right and what is wrong in terms of when you are disclosing what even what someone else said. What Kuiper did after he said the racial slur, he came back and he said, I want to apologize. I said something that didn't come out quite the way I wanted it to. And I just wanted it to apologize if it sounded different than I meant it to be said. And like I said, I just wanted to apologize for that. Here's how this should have worked. When you are monitoring the game's broadcast, which we always had people doing, we're responsible for the broadcasters. We've got people listening to the broadcast. When there's mistakes, we go to the booth and fix them. When there's things that are being said where there's an emergency, you would pull the broadcaster out. You act immediately, it's your team. It's your responsibility. 
You don't let a broadcaster do his own apology two minutes after or five innings after. You have to workshop it and make sure that we are all on the same page with what we're doing and why we're doing it and whether or not this is in the top five microphone no-nos and where it is in the top five and what you do and what the punishment is. The Oakland A's watched the fumbled apology. I would not have said it the way he said it. It didn't come out quite the way I wanted it to. He could have said, of course I know that it is the Kansas City Negro League Museum. I said a racial slur and I had my signals crossed. Here's the problem. No matter how tough it is to speak in front of a microphone, and I don't know Glenn Kuyper. I don't know if he's racist. I don't know if he's not racist. I don't know if he's the best family man or the worst family man or the smartest guy in the world, or the dumbest guy in the world. I don't know anything about him. I'm tempted to always give a benefit of a few doubts. Trust but verify. Cynical. However, forgiving. That said, where we are now is you have an organization that puts its head out of the shell, like I did trying to be a fan. But as a president, you put your head out, you look around, it's like putting a trial balloon for a trade of your best player. There is a lot of stuff on the intertweets and the A's had to suspend him. Then his partner, Dallas Braden, had to release his own statement separating himself from what happened, but not doing anything to offend his partner, but separating himself by saying, hey, I didn't even hear it. Because when you're doing shows, you got producers in your ear, you're looking at stats, you're looking at the game. And he actually said that he wants to support his partner, but that there are moments that the nuance of a live television broadcast means that sometimes broadcasters miss some of what you, the audience, sees or hears. Producers speaking in our ears about what's next. We're formulating our words to articulate our thoughts. We're moving direction from camera to camera. We're waiting for cues. We're checking sound. We have lots going on that is not always visible to you. So in that moment, Dallas Braden said, I missed the live comment and I wasn't aware of it until I heard the apology innings later. I get why he would say that, not good enough. It's not his responsibility to cover for his partner. It's not his responsibility to take the blame, to take the heat or to do the apology. But here's what I don't want to hear, that we have so much going on that we're not actually listening. That's not exactly right if you speak to broadcasters or speak to those of us who are on microphones. I got producers in my ear. I've been doing that for 25 years people talking in your ear. If there are words that you don't say, then you won't say them. You don't need to be cautioned. You don't need to rehearse not saying a slur. If you don't say them outside your job on the microphone, then the odds are pretty good you're not gonna say them on the microphone. And if you do say them off the microphone, then you know what? Once in a while, your governor is gonna disappear and you may say it again. I understand 
why Braden said what he said. I understand the apology that Kuiper gave. I get it all. But when you violate the top two of the top five microphone no-nos, a racial slur or a homophobic slur, the result is a firing. Wait to see when I tell you something's gonna happen and we'll revisit it. Bob Huggins is getting fired. Glenn Kuiper is getting fired. In the era in which we live, there is zero tolerance. And maybe that's the way it should be. When we come back, we're gonna review a movie I watched and then we're gonna talk about an owner sending out a tweet that made me say, huh? We'll be right back. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet five bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quit in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson live with you every day, 8 to 8.45. Me and Matt Coca bring you a podcast. We bring you this video show. We do not edit. What you hear is exactly what you're seeing. Please rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends about us. We're building something here and we're having a lot of fun doing it. Part of what I do still every day is watch a movie because I really do love it. And I watched a movie that I had not heard of and I had not had, and no one asked me to watch it. But remember I told you there's a list of actors who I really love and when they do a movie, I wanna watch it. Thomas Hayden Church is on that list. Thomas Hayden Church, one of my favorite actors, not even a top 10, but still I love him, I do. If you haven't seen Sideways, go watch it. Acid Man is about a guy who's living off the grid. 
He is someone who has a daughter who is estranged and he believes that he is contacting people from out of space. It's sort of a UFO movie without the UFOs. It's about a very eccentric guy who clearly has some mental issues, maybe some physical issues, and has a terrible relationship with his daughter who shows up out of nowhere, played by the Taylor Swifty, who was just in the news yesterday, Diana Agron, for trying to clarify that she was or was not in a relationship with Taylor Swift, to which I raised my hand and said, who gives a good goddamn? But apparently we're all obsessed with who's dating who. I guess that's half the things you read on the internet. That person did what with who? Does it really matter that Bill Hader is dating Ali Wong? Oh God, these people have been married forever and then got divorced, or these people are not divorced. Oh, look at Olivia Munn, we talked about it yesterday. Damn that Jim Mulvaney guy, breaking up families. I don't know why I just got the subject. Oh, why was it even in the news about Taylor Swift and her relationship with Diana Gron? What, do we wanna see whether or not Taylor Swift? I can't even, it's ridiculous. So Acid Man is this movie about a relationship with the father and a daughter, and it made me incredibly sad because the story was about a daughter who all she wanted was the love of her father, and the father was incapable of giving the love that she wanted and needed. And then he wanted the love of his daughter, and she was incapable of giving him the love that he wanted or needed. And they were ships passing in the night who somehow found their way back to the same harbor and somehow found a way to connect again before it was too late. Sounds normal, state of the art. That's not the word, not state of the art. 4869. Sounds rote. Normal plot point. No, this one had a little bit of a twist. The twist is that it's gonna make you feel about the relationships you have with your friends and family. It's gonna make you think about people who do things differently. The thought of people who go off the grid, something I think about all the time, what it would be, could I go off the grid? Because God knows I think about it a lot. There's no microphones when you're off the grid. We always look at people different than we are, and it's not just color, it's not just sexual preference, it's people who don't want to achieve, people who don't care about money, people who don't care about fame or don't care about microphones, people who believe that maybe we're not the only people on this earth, and those people, God, you're strange. You don't do it the way we do it? We're gonna bully you and make fun of you. You don't look like we do? We're gonna torture you. It all goes back to my original theory, doesn't it? Live and let live. Go back and listen to Dan Levitard last week when we were doing the show together. He did a segment on tolerance, and this was related to Dwayne Wade at the Met Gala. And what struck me about it were some of the feedback that came where people were upset that we were not talking sports and off the subject. And I kept thinking to myself, on nothing personal, we talk about tolerance all the time. I can't quite figure it out. And Dan put it well, but I can't quite figure out what it is about people that when they see something different than themselves, they're so scared that they want to hurt those people or deny those people rights or deny those people the willingness or the ability to exist in the way they do. This goes all the way back before World War II. I mean, this goes back to the beginning of time, to the beginning of people. What's the difference with being different? What's the problem with tolerance? I have never heard someone, and I've spoken to racists before, I've spoken to misogynists before, I've spoken to bad people and good people. I've never gotten a logical explanation 
I hear people say, when you're fighting about religion or about land, land is I wanna be able to do trade. I wanna be able to find a way to make more money. That's why I'm gonna take your land from you. Religion? What? Where's the money in that? Anyway, that's what this movie's about. It's called Acid Man. You may wanna check it out. Speaking of acid, I've never done acid. I've done a lot of things in my life. I've never done acid. I've certainly done things that are psychedelic, but I've never done acid. I wonder whether Jim Ursay does acid. And I'm not impugning his drug-taking personality, if in fact he does take drugs or doesn't take drugs. Don't know, don't care. But every once in a while, he appears on the show for firing off a tweet that makes me smile. He was the guy who spent a lot of time talking about Snyder, saying, Dan Snyder, we got the votes to take you out. Jim Mercer was the one who I think Roger Goodell said, hey, you're pretty cray cray. Let's get you out there speaking on behalf of the league. Let's see if we can scare Snyder straight, get him to sell. Don't be alarmed that there has not been a lot of news about the sale. It's sort of the same thing when you think you're moving your team and you buy some land and all of a sudden everyone assumes it's done. There's a lot of work that has to get done to move a team. There's a lot of work that has to get done to sell a club. There's a lot of documents. This laptop I'm on is on eight inches of closing binders of a sale of a team. It's like hundreds of pages that are negotiated word by word. So Jim Irsay was back at it yesterday. Twitter has been really quite something for these people. Guilty as charged, I'm addicted. Jim Irsay tweeted out of nowhere, purportedly, if any NFL team attempted to contact Andrew Luck or any associated of him to play for their franchise, it would be a clear violation of the league's tampering policy. Love, Jim. Andrew Luck? Are we talking about the guy who hasn't played since 2018? Are we talking about the guy who retired two weeks before the 18, two weeks before the start of the 18-19 season to spend more time with his family? Far be it from me as not exactly the leader in spending time with your family or being a good dad or a good husband. But Andrew Luck walked away from a hell of a lot of money and didn't say it was concussion-based. He just said, hey, I miss driving my kids to school or something like that. But in football, as in baseball and other sports, you put players, we all have our own retired list. Those are players who are under contract with us who then decide they don't wanna play anymore. They go on a special restricted retired list, which means they cannot go play for anyone else because you don't want players saying, hey, I'm not happy here. I'm gonna pretend I retire. And then I'm gonna wake up a month later, pull a Brady and be allowed to be a free agent and play wherever I want. No, we are not letting players do it and players don't fight it. Andrew Luck, is a cult. He doesn't count to their payroll. It's not about cap money. None of that because he's not getting paid because he's not doing his job. It's way better to suck than to retire. When you suck, you still get paid. Just ask Jordan Poole. But Luck is not getting paid and he had three years left on his contract when he bailed on the Colts. And guess what? He still has three years left on his contract. So, if the Washington Commanders or Josh Harris or the son of Norman Rails or Magic Johnson or someone's looking for a quarterback in Washington and they say, huh, I wonder about that luck guy. Hey, Andy, any thoughts on lacing him up again? 
putting on those pads, that's a violation. Jim Irsay is 100% right. Forget the fact that they've had seven quarterbacks since Luck did that, and they're just terrible. They drafted him first overall probably 11 years ago. They expected him to be their quarterback forever. They gave him that huge contract. There's teams that go through quarterbacks like I go through underwear, right? They've had nine starting quarterbacks start three or more games in the past five seasons. They just have no idea what they're doing. Is it possible the teams are reaching out to Andrew Luck? Yes. Here's the strange part. How would Jim Mersey know? Did it get leaked? Or did Andrew Luck's representatives put out a little feeler about the possibility of coming back and the Colts activating him and then trading him? Because maybe Jim Irsay was told by Andrew Luck that, hey, I'm thinking of coming back, but I don't want to play for you. And then Jim Irsay said, hey, you want to come back and you don't want to play for me? Guess what? You're not coming back. Because if you do, you're ours. I love the rule. The anti-tampering rule makes me laugh because everyone tampers, as you know. Everyone's calling everyone all the time. But the rule about whose property you are, as gross as it is to say that way, Andrew Luck belongs to Jim Ursay and the Colts. And the NFL cannot in any way support any sort of activity that would allow a player to manipulate his situation enough to sit out time, is this sounding familiar, LeVon Bell? To sit out time and dictate your destination. The level of player empowerment in the NFL does not approach the NBA and the NFL does not want it to. They don't want to allow it. It's bad for the game. You think Adam Silver doesn't realize that? Or Rob Manford? Of course they do. Roger Goodell, I'm not sure what he recognizes or thinks about, but one thing I do know, Andrew Luck, is a cult. So Jim, we didn't need the tweet and the people doing the tampering don't follow you on Twitter and their behavior's not changing because of your tweet. And by the way, it's not like you have fan sentiment behind you because you tweet that. Who's your audience? The better way to do it is with an internal memo from Roger Goodell to all teams saying, as a reminder, here's the rules about a retired player. Anyone who reaches out to a retired player who's under contract with another team is going to lose draft picks. Love, Roger. That's what I would have liked. There's another thing that Roger Goodell has to focus on. Everybody's focusing on it right now. And what they're focusing on is trying to figure out what to do about gambling. I would like to point out to you that the Alabama baseball coach got fired when he called someone and said, hey, my starting pitcher just got scratched. In theory, that's what happened when the person went to place the bet at the Great American Ballpark. And all of a sudden, we are now, a few days later, and Iowa is in the crosshairs. Iowa, Iowa State, multiple players are being investigated. Multiple people within those organizations, within the athletic organizations are being investigated. The Iowa Gaming Commission is investigating the Iowa baseball team after two players were withheld. In Iowa State, there's 15 players who are being implicated in a probe. Iowa got word that there are like 100 people, including 26 current athletes, who are being investigated. 
causing Iowa to make a statement, causing Iowa State to make a statement. All these statements are the same because they're told what they are. We've notified the NCAA and we will take the appropriate actions to resolve these issues. That's Iowa State. Iowa's statement was no different. We're aware of the sports wagering investigation and are fully cooperating. We've alerted the NCAA. Page one of the playbook when you're in trouble is you make sure you alert the NCAA. Folks, we're just starting. Yeah, we're taking gambling money. Every sport is. Everyone can gamble. It's legal in so many states now. Not something I worried too much about when it was legal in two states and you needed to do it through a sports book. Players going to illegal bookies, you tell them not to. The players know the lines. The players know when they're underdogs or when they're favorites. Any player tells you differently is lying to you. But the integrity of the game, I'm going to repeat it every show if I have to. The integrity of the game matters more than anything else. It matters more than free agency. The line that I gave you on a previous Nothing Personal stands today. The integrity of the game is what differentiates the NFL, college sports, NBA, MLB, NHL from WWE. That is a mantra that gets repeated over and over inside the commissioner's office, inside front offices. We are not the WWE. There is going to be significant, significant punishment because players have to learn that while there is an absolute promulgation of gambling everywhere, it's sprouting up like weeds in a driveway that you've been avoiding and don't take care of. It's total whack-a-mole and it's not going to change. The thing that has to change is the punishment. Nothing personal pick of the day, we suck. I'm sorry. We are back to below 569 and 70. The Knicks plus four and a half lost. Stroman minus 145 and the Cubs over Mikolas and the Cardinals lost. But I'm not giving up. Justin Bieber is going against the Tigers today. Tigers who actually are playing well, just as well as the Guardians. That said, I'm taking Shane Bieber. I'm willing to risk the 200 bucks because I need a win. Bieber and the Guardians over the Tigers. What about game five with Nikola tonight? Two great game fives. You have the Celtics and Sixers. You've got the Nuggets and Suns. I am devoting my playoffs to getting Matt Ishbia out of the game. I don't want to reward his behavior, the things he does. I don't want to reward him for saying, hey, Nikola shouldn't be suspended. Well, guess what? We had to wait to see that Nikola would not be suspended for what happened with Matt Ishbia. And it took a day for that wait to see come true, which you knew we'd revisit. He was fined 25 grand for interacting with a fan. I agree. No suspension. I agree. The NBA did the right thing. They've got full strength here at home in Denver. There has not been a road team to win in that series. The Nuggets are favored by five and a half over the Suns. I found it quite interesting when the game is being promoted, they show Booker and not Durant as the thumbnail sketch of one player on each team. I guess they're promoting Booker, who's been unbelievable this postseason. 
but that does go to show you they gave up so much to get Durant. He's not even the face of your franchise, and you're looking at a second-round loss because the Nuggets are a better team because Jokic is the best player on either team. So we're going to take Jokic and the Nuggets five and a half over the Suns. When Jokic writes the $25,000 check, which he'll have to write to the NBA, it'll go to charity to pay the fine. He's going to walk in and talk to his teammates. They're going to smile and they're going to do it again and again and again. And believe me, they're going to look out for where Ishbi is sitting. I promise you. In the meantime, he's 25K poor. He'll get through it. It's just business. We'll be back tomorrow. This is nothing personal.